Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, August 28th. Hey everybody, I'm John Vanderbilt. Hey, I'm Mark Wolkstein, the student ministries pastor. And I'm Kelly Brady, a sort of senior pastor here. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. Good morning. Morning. We were a little out of rhythm there yeah. with the intro. Yeah. <laughs> No one will notice, I'll edit it. <laughs> will you make us sound smooth? I do. I will. Mark, how are you feeling today, man? That was a busy Sunday for yeah, you. It is a busy Sunday, yeah. No, I feel, um, for sure, feel relieved to be on the other side of it. I feel like it's kind of the finish line to the summer almost. Yeah. <clears throat> Getting a chance to kind of showcase um, yeah, what we've been up to the rest of the church. But yeah, um, always fun to do, but... Yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure 100% of our listeners know who you are, but just in case, we have Mark on today. Simone has taken a a sabbatical from the podcast. No kidding. She's just off for today. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do here? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my name is Mark. I've been here just over six years. Um, I said in a recent email, finished uh, seventh summer, which really feels nuts. <clears throat> the uh, actual incoming freshmen this year were the age of my oldest daughter when I first got here. They were in eighth grade, oh which my. is a little terrifying for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for six plus years and uh, wasn't from the area originally, but my wife is. And um, yeah, so we've been here. Uh, did undergrad out here and um, tried to get out, go to Denver Seminary and get stuck in the Rockies, but here we are. Yeah. Flatlands in middle America. What, uh, what city did you grow up? Like, what, what? Yeah, so right outside New York City on Long Island, uh, and then right outside Boston, moved to middle school. My okay. dad's so your childhood there, so. home was right outside New York? Yeah. Thus yep. the Yankees. Yeah, that's, that's over the Yankees. The, yeah, over yeah. the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. Okay. And once I moved to Boston, it's, you know, I don't remember hating the Red Sox growing up when I was in New York, but as soon as you move, <laughs> you have to choose a side. And yeah. I certainly wasn't going to choose the Red Sox, so. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yep. How'd you feel about yesterday? <clears throat> yeah, I felt, I felt good about it. Um, frankly, the night before, I wasn't feeling like it was going to go that well. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, a series that's you know, really close to my heart, our passage. Um, and I've gotten a chance to kind of articulate it to our students, even at winter camp this last year, did, did an extended series on, some of, on that invitation. And um, yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's so a part of what we do. Many of the things I was saying, I say to leaders every time we recruit them, <laughs> that this is what we're about and this is who we are and what we care about and the kind of students we're trying to reach and um, yeah, the kind of balance we're trying to strike. So it felt um, <clears throat> natural and easy in many ways um, to be, get a chance to talk about it. And um, we've even used this last year to kind of um, yeah, clarify what our vision is, even now that we've all been back from COVID and winter camp this last uh, winter was a chance to kind of do that with all the students. So yeah, fun to get a chance to do that for the whole church and remind people this is why we're here and this is what we do and um, we're hey, trying to do what Jesus did. So Tell us about the uh, singing leaders. Yep. So move from, if I'm sitting in the congregation with the congregation, move from the right side to the left. Yeah, so on the right side, um, would have been Coltrane Curry. Uh, he's a junior. Did I do this backwards? No, you're doing great. Okay, great. That's it. Yeah, yep. I was going to say left, right. Uh, so yeah, to my... Um, on the keyboard. On the keyboard was Coltrane Curry, uh, which is just the perfect stage name. Like the dude is made for the stage. Uh, so I don't know if his parents named him, hoping he'd one day be a you know, yes, Grammy actually, winning artist. Yes, actually, I was going to say he like was. That. His yeah, father absolutely. was a big... Uh, uh, 
Coltrane fan. Yes. So he's a big music guy, and he's been doing our worship ministry up at the students for the last year. Uh, again, going to be a junior at Wheaton College. Uh, next to him singing was Scotty Murray, who's a junior over at Wheaton Academy. And um, yeah, t- ton of passion and emotion. That kid's and got skills. He, he does, does have skills. And he has grown. He's really He's blossomed. developed really well over the last you know, couple years. I actually years. watched, I had to send a teaching sample for something I'm doing this summer. <clears throat> so I watched ours from last year, just briefly, and Scotty looks like a little kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, this last year he's significantly grown up and also just... Um, yeah, looks older, sounds older. And um, so yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. <clears throat> he plays guitar and all that now, so he's releasing his own music. So he's cool. some songs out on he Spotify does have some right stuff now. stuff out on Spotify. Ooh. Scotty Murray, check it out. Uh, James Karinsky was in the cage in the back, um, who's killing it. I told him afterwards, when you listen to like great worship music, there's always like, I always imagine like, oh, it'd be so fun to play on a band with like, you know, where you had that feeling of all that energy. And I told James afterwards, I'm like, you give me that feeling, man. Like when we're, when you're playing and, um, yeah, he's just great back there. The drums aren't even his primary instrument, are they? No, they are. That's the name. Yeah, Yeah, that's his percussion. Um, don't give him too much credit. He's sophomore. He's sophomore. 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 Yeah, He's hit. Yeah, he hits the drums really well. Yes, he really Good does. Feel. And um, so yeah, just really fun to have him back there. Anna Larson uh, was next to me playing violin. Um, she's going to also be a junior Wheaton North. Actually, James as a Wheaton South, a sophomore Wheaton South. Anna is going to be a junior at Wheaton North, and um, long line of Larson. Um, yeah. Larsonites, yeah. but first one who's been up there doing music with us. That's so awesome. She did great. Paving too. her own way. She did great. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, really cool to have her up there. And then next to her was my wife, who does it because you know she has to because I'm the <laughs> piano player. Plus, you know, she doesn't have to chase your four children if she's true. up on the platform. It's true. Jory Gabriel was watching our kids, so shout out to yeah. Jory. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we've gotten a chance actually at the last church we were at when I was in grad school. Ellie, Ellie and I led the worship ministry there, so. Um, yeah, you know, working out marital problems while trying to lead a band together is always the best place to do that. So, you know, usually the worst side of stuff comes out there. But yeah, we have a ton of fun doing it. She helped Anna in lots of ways. And um, yeah, it's nice to be up there with people you're familiar with and yeah. um, know how they're going to respond to a certain situation or moment or something yeah. like that. So I'm sure I mean, I've watched your musical progression over the last few years. The game has definitely been upped, man. Yeah. Like, you guys no. sounded really solid. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. I still feel like I'm kind of a poser, like a faker. I just picked up a guitar in college and. It's mainly four different chords and a capo sliding around, but it makes that's it look what like I I'm, do too. <laughs> it looks like I'm way better than I actually am. Well, before we dive into questions, I thought Sunday morning was also a huge win with the ministry fair. It was fun to see people out in Rathbun Hall and out in the Welcome Center mingling. The donuts were flying. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I felt super encouraged by. Um, the ministry partners that showed up, uh, Caring Networks was here, Naomi's House was here, Outreach Community Ministries, By the Hand was here. So I just hugely encouraged by the uh, the fellowship time between services. Yeah. And how about the week before? Let's talk about that before we get into this Actually, our first question, question yeah, yeah, is Worship in the Park question. Yeah. So we had I Worship thought, in the Park two weeks ago. Yeah, and two weeks ago, that would have been Saturday the 20th, was like, you know, the noatic flood. And mm. I just didn't know if Worship in the Park was going to happen and was so thankful that Sunday morning um, we got good weather and it was fun to be out there. felt like a huge win. Worship in the Park did as well. Yeah. We were guessing how many? 650 yeah. to 700 folks. and A lot of people lot. walking by, yeah. as always, which you is know, great. And one of the really encouraging things, uh, or 
So some of our elderly folks, it's always a challenge for them to find parking and to get to the site, particularly if it's rainy because they don't want to slip and fall. Uh, so they went to Poplar Creek uh, church, which there were about 15 Glowing Bible churches at Poplar Creek last Sunday, which was a huge win as well. Cool. cool. I, I always think it's funny too. Like I, uh, I'm more part of the 915 demographic of young, kind of younger families, some young kids who are there, but I work heavily with all the parents and students that are in second service. Right. And when I talk about, you know, oh, do you know the Gabriels or do you know that, you know, whatever it is, and they, it's like neither shall the, shall the two meet. And right. on, I worship in the park, it's kind of like, oh, every single person in the same place. Yeah. Um, but both feel so very at the heart of Glen Ellen Bible's community and congregation and all that. Um, yeah, and I you hear this, the conversation I overheard multiple times was, you guys go here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for like the last three years. Oh, awesome. That's great. <laughs> See you next year at Worship in the Park. Yeah. I, I've been really encouraged with. Uh, attendance the last you know few weeks summer felt really like a lot of people were back moving around and traveling yes. and because of the the years of uh, COVID where yeah. you couldn't do anything and so we were really full on the 14th and we were really full on the 21st and then obviously we were packed yesterday we have an overflow room that overflowed yeah we had people <laughs> second service on, in the main level conference room yeah um so, and I was gonna, I was just gonna tell that the the church, the executive pastor, has to jump in here, folks. But uh, we invited, I specifically invited all the parents of kids who come to the kids come to Reckless, but the parents either attend somewhere else or they don't attend church at all. And I sent an email out to the whole student ministry and just invited them to come and check out Glen Ellen Bible Church. And I got a, a lot of people emailed me and said, "We're planning to come." And I met newbies, yeah, the I, visitors that. We're a part of that. We want to hear Mark, and we want to see the student ministry, kind of what it, what it's like. And I didn't even tell you this, but I had families asking. Oh, I did tell you if they could go and visit the room upstairs because <laughs> <laughs> they they never been here and they wanted to see where student ministries took place. And yeah. families were going up there and checking out the student ministries room and all that. But that said, then I knowing that we we sent an email out to everybody and said, hey, could you attend first service? <laughs> and people did. And no, yeah, did. The, was, yeah, the numbers were higher in, in first services as well, which was, which was great. So a couple of folks asked, why are there so many people here? Well, we did some specific inviting mm-hmm. uh, to have people come and check us out, which was really, mm-hmm. really, really cool. I, yeah. I got to meet a lot of my kids' friends, because all my kids are in reckless ones in recess, whose parents, you know, I'm like, our kids are friends from through church, and we just haven't even met yet. And yeah. it was fun to meet some of those parents and it was, uh, it was a great turnout. I, I'm glad so many people came to, to check it out. And we had tons of Wheaton College kids. Yeah, oh. there were a lot. A lot I mean, of football like players. Half the football team, I think, decided to do the their... Entire offensive lines. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder if you regret giving up that Sunday to me because I always feel like it's like one of the biggest ones back because all the college kids yeah, are I don't, back. And... Man, I don't regret it at all, Mark. I think you knocked it out of the park and... and um, Student ministry has been such a blessing to Glowing Bible Church over the years, and so I was, man, I'm I'm glad to I, no, see. Appreciate it for the for the Sunday. I thought you did a great job of integrating the vision of student ministries with the mission and vision of of the whole church, because mm-hmm. it can be easy to kind of space those things. Like, mm-hmm. well, we silo do this, them. yeah, silo them a little bit, and that's some siloing is normal and natural mm-hmm. and okay. I mean, they have a unique audience that they're drawing, and yep. but at the same time, you don't want to 
diminish the fact that this is one church on this corner doing this ministry. And I thought you did a great job of, of casting a vision for what the whole church is about and helping people find, follow, share Jesus. And yeah. um, I, was, I was really, really encouraged. No, it, it really was... Um yeah, this is actually a true story. It wasn't like a pastor story or anything. Uh, <clears throat> really do remember logging onto the site for the first time and really not wanting to end up in uh, Glen Ellen. And, um, but yeah, ju- just saw it right away, find and follow Jesus, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe I guess this is you know, going to yeah. be the place for me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been really exciting, and I still remember our conversations from um, yeah, that interview in Candidating Weekend and uh, trying to do something unique and some yeah. of the partnerships with ministries that were reaching kids far from Jesus and you know, for me, uh, church was always such a life-giving place, and I was always confused why anyone wouldn't want to be, uh, you know, there and a part yeah. of it. And um, yeah, just always felt like I, I think we can create a, a place where you know students and you know even adults just love to to be yeah. and lo- love to join, um, <clears throat> kind of wherever they're at on the faith spectrum and whether whatever you know place they would plot themselves on the spiritual journey. It's just a place that they feel like they can be human <laughs> and the most themselves and. Um, so yeah, it's fun to get a chance not only to remember all the way back then when we were talking about those things, but to get a chance to celebrate what God's done over the last handful of years. So, I really connected with um, the part of your sermon where you talked about that integration of people. I think we're going to get into a question about this, but sort of the, you said um, the unchurched mm-hmm. or even the non-Christian or, you know, kind of those outside of, of uh you know, the church building and how that type of ministry work is. I can't, I don't remember all the words you said, but you said messy, Mm -hmm. frustrating, um, you know, hard conversations at times with, I think you said bosses and staff and, and I I started to tear up and I'm like standing in the back. I started to tear up and I was like, man, that's been Mm -hmm. the journey of the church, especially in these last couple of years. I think you you feel it, you know, really really strongly in student ministries but man we've i think we've collectively as a church have felt some of that um over the last i know i personally have you know seeing people leave that were close close friends and then having people come in that you never thought would come to the church and like celebrating that like all in the same moment you know interacting with some of the hard cultural issues and how do we navigate some of that as a church and then covid and politics and man it's been uh it's been a journey the last few years and um man i've i have felt god's grace love care i think you expressed some of that really well on sunday so yeah i mean well, even one of the things i when, when i think of who the disciples were you know from a human standpoint you think of someone like judas being there from our standpoint of a pastor did that in the area and knew the end of that, you know, man's story, what a foolish leadership decision. (laughs) So I say to our leaders every time, you know, if Judas was good enough for Jesus, then who are we to draw a line in the sand? If someone (laughs) feels like I want to see more of this, um, Mm -hmm. I don't totally know. And I might not make the decision in the end, but I would like to see more of this. Great. Jump on in, jump aboard. And, um, these men did not have all the right answers or know what it all meant. And again, even so much confusion around what it meant for him to be the Messiah. I mean, no, no one imagined a a king who would die. Um, but yeah, Jesus still felt comfortable. Yep. Just keep following, 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 follow the way of Jesus. And, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly challenge. It continues to challenge us and it, it ends up looking messy, Mm -hmm. you know? And Jesus' ministry was, was very, very messy. And um, so, yeah, you, you certainly don't want your ministry in church to feel like a mess. But um, right. 
you know, we, we've had so many conversations over the years, hard conversations, you know, yeah. how do we make sense of this? How do we keep including, uh, without, you know, at some point compromising who we are and what we're about, right. but it feels like mess that's, as I look back on it, just so worth pushing into. Yeah. Mark, uh, Blake got up at the beginning of the service and, and most people were out eating donuts yeah. as he was talking. <laughs> Can you give us, um, a sense of the scope of your ministry. Who, how many are involved? And I'm particularly interested to hear about how many volunteers are serving as disciple makers. Yeah. Yeah, so we um, in total have probably 300-ish that are on rosters between high school and middle school. Uh, on a typical program night, you know, there, there's always probably 50% that show up 50% of the time, <laughs> uh, which is probably true for everything. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have 120 high schoolers, 125, something like that. And then we're getting right near 100 middle schoolers, um, which as you can imagine is absolute chaos. Uh, <clears throat> and then volunteer leader-wise, we actually just had our first leader meeting of the year uh, last night, which is a ton of fun. It's all our college students coming back. And then honestly, a lot of them have graduated and are now just young professionals and fun to see them still have friendships, people they would not have met unless they were serving together. We care a ton about that leadership team. And um, we always say ministry is great, but it's best when you're doing alongside people you love being with. So I got to give you time to, you know, start loving these people. And uh, so yeah, that ends up being a team of like 35, uh, Mm -hmm. which is funny. My role has changed because of that. You know, 35 was the the amount of kids we had in the high school group when I first got here. (laughs) And um that felt like my youth group. And as we've, as we've grown one, I've realized we're only as good as our volunteer leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we really, I'm, I'm not in, uh, any small group now. Um, <clears throat> I'm just coaching and training and hopping in when, uh, someone needs help. Um, but largely like the success of our ministry is, is our volunteer leaders. And that what makes the most significant impact. Um, and in, in a way, again, they've replaced the size of what the youth group originally was and feel like the, these are the disciples that I'd like to care for and meet up with and train and equip. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I actually said to them last night, um, <clears throat> you know, people were very affirming of student ministries and all that's happening. And many of our leaders go here, but some, some don't or are living, you know, in Chicago, something like that. And I just said, you have no idea how thankful these parents are for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if you're, you weren't there on Sunday morning. Um, and I thought of my own kids, you know, there, there's nothing else I would want as a parent <laughs> that a yeah. lot of things could go wrong between sixth grade and 12th grade. But if they had a place like this and a person and like you in their life, that's all I would care about. That yeah. you know that that would be enough. And um, so yeah, just just wanting for for any leaders who never get a chance to kind of interact with some of the older adults that of the kids they serve. Um, yeah, just just how appreciative the congregation is for them. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I, I always. Uh, I mean, I'm the. It's like those commercials where do you remember the Hair Club for Men, <laughs> mm-hmm. where the guy would come on and say. I'm not oh, just yeah. a client, uh, or I'm not just the president. I'm also a client. Yeah, huh? <laughs> that's like I make that joke all the time because I've, you know, five kids. So four have been in Reckless. One's still in recess. Izzy's still in recess, and then Braden just graduated yeah, out of the program. Yeah, and Braden's going to volunteer at some level, right? <laughs> Doing something uh, in the ministry. But man, I when I, when Carrie and I talk to people, and people ask questions like. You know, your kids seems like your kids did well through high school and Braden's, you know, out and how, you know, what choices did you make with sports and church and life and this and this, you know, how did you navigate all the opportunities and everything? And Carrie and I will tell people the single most important thing we did outside of our parental influence in our kids. So put that aside. The single most important thing we did is that we made recess and reckless a the the most important thing in our kids' lives. So our kids mm-hmm. skipped other things 
often to be involved in in church and it could you say that again john yeah (laughs) seriously if you the impact of recess and reckless in my kids lives is immeasurable you cannot replace it with anything else that my kids have experienced now and i I work at the church, you know, and all these kinds of things. I love the church, all those kinds of things. I would put my kids in this ministry even if I was not involved in the church at all. I can tell you specific things that my kids were able to be a part of and conversations they had and influence that men and women had in their lives over the course of their high school. And some are, you know, freshmen starting off, but from Mm -hmm. recess to reckless that you cannot put a price tag on it. When two Wheaton College football players in the middle of the summer pull up in front of your kid's house, who's a sophomore in high school, going through life, trying to navigate girls and social media and sports and school, and these two dudes show up and say, hey, let's go play pickleball. And they go play pickleball for four hours. And my kid comes home and says, those guys, man, they, I got to talk with them about my girlfriend, and they gave me tons of advice about phone, your phone and the da-da-da-da. And then... And then a week later, they show up again. Mm. Hey, dude, let's go get burritos at Javi's, and then let's go play pickleball. And you cannot put a price tag on mm. that, that kind of stuff. Mm. And then they want to come on Sunday, and I watch the video, and I see my own children, arms raised, worshiping Jesus. I mean, you, you yeah. can't put a price tag on that influence that it is. I mean, we're talking about Jesus. We're in God's word in our student ministries. I... I could talk all day about the impact and influence, but man, if, and if people listening, if you have questions, you want to engage in that, I would love to talk with you. And mm-hmm. I can say this, it hasn't always been perfect. Mm-hmm. You put your kids in a ministry that goes two, two, three, four times a week. There's always, you know, a friend issue or it wasn't a, you know, something didn't go great with this or they wish they, you know, had done something differently or, or whatever. The retreat was a, mm-hmm. a flop for them. Or, I mean, those things happen, but yep. man, overall, I can't tell you how impactful it has been in the life of my kids and then in the life of our family. It's so I'm really grateful. You yeah, know that. I appreciate but, it. Yeah. I appreciate it, John. Yeah. Um, Mark, before we get into questions real quick, um, <laughs> just real quick, um, do you, so you said you had a leader meeting last night, yep. but you, I mean, you had a ton of kids in your ministry. Do you need any more volunteers? Yes, is yes, there yes, any yes. more places for people to, if they want to Yeah, honestly, both out? ministries, uh, specifically middle school ministry, uh, some of them just graduate out. So they want to continue on with their eighth graders when they finish, so they move up to the high school ministry. So uh, for sure, the middle school ministry, um, yeah, I mean, we, we'd honestly love eight to 10 more leaders okay. who are helping serve there. So if you have a passion for middle schoolers and um, honestly, it's it's a ton of fun. We we try to literally try to make it the best night of their week and and a leaders week. So we could really use the help uh, in in middle school ministry. Uh, but yeah, if either one stick out to you and you watch it and said, man, I got to be a part of something like that. Um, yeah, we'd absolutely love to take you. So cool. All right, appreciate it. All right, well, let's get into some questions. Um, man, the, this one's for years. Let, y- yeah, the first one's from last week. So right? I'll read it. Go ahead. So this is uh, submitted on the heels of the worship in the park um, Sunday. And uh, it reads, during church last Sunday, the worship team performed the song, Don't Fear the Reaper, by the band Blue Oyster Cult. Many people have criticized that song as being pro-suicide. The songwriter has denied that the song is such, but the song did raise some questions in my mind. What is GEBC's position on suicide? Is it a sin? What's the appropriate way to approach the subject with someone who has lost a loved one to suicide, especially a teenager? 
Thanks. Yeah. Um, you hey, let me, me. I'll do the theological end if you sure. want to do song selection. Sure, sure. All right. So, really clear here. GEBC believes that suicide is not the answer to life's suffering. If you read the Old Testament, you may remember that Job longed, uh, the famous sufferer, Job longed for his own death. And of course, that wasn't the answer to his suffering. Uh, we view uh, suicide as unwise and, yes, a sin. At the same time, we would not describe it as the unpardonable sin. And that's important because there are some Christian theologies. You can find Christians that would describe it as the unpardonable sin, one for which immediate condemnation uh, is the result. And that is not our take here at Glowon Bible Church. And we realize that even Christians can lose hope and take their own life. Jonah, for example, the famous prophet who was uh, told to go to Nineveh and refused. Jonah sought death. He even prayed for death, not once, but twice, and records those prayers uh, in, his, in the book that bears his name. So we know that Christians can lose their way, that some have lost their way and taken their own lives. To do so is a sin, but the, the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ is sufficient to cover that sin. Yeah. So as far as, you know, choosing the song, um, the main idea I wanted to communicate was the idea of not fearing death in general, which I've always taken as the primary thrust of the song's lyrics, and which I also think is a topic Christians should be talking about more. Um, so there's, there's two things that are the greatest faith strengtheners for me. One was yesterday watching those baptisms, seeing all those kids baptized, seeing anyone baptized. Uh, you know, it never gets old. It's always beautiful, and it always just just reinvigorates, revitalizes my own faith. But the other is, uh, I recently, uh, in the last couple of years, watched my mother-in-law greet death with no fear, saying she was ready to see Jesus. And when you see that, I, that just, that strengthens my faith in the same way. I mean, how powerful a witness is it when a Christian can greet death that way? And, you know, let's face it, it's coming for all of us, right? Um, and so I just, I hope when I get there, I, that's how I face it as well. Uh, as for the suicide themed rumors of the song, it's actually the first time I've ever heard of that. I looked it up online and see that there's some, you know, hub hub about it. A couple direct quotes from the songwriter. Buck Dharma said, uh, I was thinking about the concept of an eternal love, one that transcends the borders of death. Well, how apropos of a topic is this to engage a non-believer about? Here, Mr. Dharma is postulating about an eternal transcendent love. Of course, we have the answer to that in Jesus Christ. Buck Dharma was diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat at a very young age, so he often, at a young age, contemplated death. He had this to say about his lyrics. I thought, uh, quote, I thought I was going to maybe not live that long. I'd been diagnosed with a heart condition and your mind starts running away with you, especially when you're youngish. So that's why I wrote the story. It's imagining you can survive death in terms of your spirit. Your spirit will prevail, end quote. So wow, this guy is dancing around the reality of eternal life. I, I hope someone has taken this as an opportunity to share with him that these things do indeed exist and that eternal life can be found in Jesus Christ. So it's hard for me to make a suicide connection on this song based on the song's lyrical sensical progression and the author's own admission. If there was ever a blatant song about suicide, it would certainly not be played in front of our church congregation. Unless, of course, it was a song advocating for the healing of such trauma or something to that effect. Still, we would, still, we would tread carefully. Good stuff. Thanks, Matt. Yep. Um, okay, uh, let's get on to these, these next four questions are about yesterday. Love Mark's sermon and so thankful for the good work God is doing at GEBC. Mark's sermon made me wonder, though, do you think that the gospel has trouble being embraced in the suburbs because we do not often feel incompetent and inadequate? 
So many in the burbs are so successful. How might that create a barrier to salvation? 100%. Um, yeah, it's, it's honestly a great question. It's one that as a student team, we wrestle with quite a bit. Uh, it was very clear. Um, you know, Jesus talks about the cost of following him all the time and lives such a reality that it was inconvenient and less than secure and uh, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to rest his head. And, you know, he actually was homeless and hopping from, you know, couch hopping kind of, uh, and dependent on the support of others. Um, it's really hard to simulate that for our students. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I, I want, you almost can't know how valuable something is to you until it costs you. And, uh, you know, for a lot of our kids, uh, in the area, there, there's honestly a lot of uh, great Christian communities. And so frankly, claiming Christ or being a Christian or being okay with that uh, honestly gains you quite a bit. <laughs> it gains you access to a lot of um, really beautiful, life-giving communities and fun trips and all that stuff. So um, yeah, it's been something as we've thought about our discipleship and we do you know extra discipleship on Wednesday nights, uh, Bible studies where we kind of let the kids a little more self-directed in terms of let's just open up scripture together and read it together and um, you know, helping them be self-feeders. Um, you know, what does it look like to almost simulate the cost of following Jesus? Because for right now, it, it doesn't always cost them something or at least that cost is, uh, I don't know, an illusion almost to them. And uh, man, I... I my goal for these, at least for these students, uh, I don't want them following Jesus for, for the four years or seven years of middle school and high school. I want them doing for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure we will know or they will even know for themselves, is this what I really want? Um, apart from my parents wanting it for me or my faith community wanting it for me or my leader wanting it for me or the access it gains me to great youth groups and great trips and Young Life and FCA. If I had none of those things, would I still want Jesus? Um, I do think comfort, you know, convenience does get in the way. And um, so that's why I think even when I look at the fishers of men, love will always cost you something. Uh, love almost is suffering. You love your kids. It means a lifetime of suffering <laughs> with them. It's painful. It's difficult. It's um, not only because, you know, people you love drive you nuts, but also you feel what they feel. You, you hurt when they hurt. Um, and you see what Jesus' love cost him as he goes through, not even just on the cross, but as he goes through life. And to me, it, it like I almost think of when, when Mark, Mark obviously in his gospel is always cu kind of right, cuts right to the chase. But I almost think like, oh gosh, this is what we've gotten ourselves into. Like, I didn't totally imagine this is exactly what it would be like, but, but here we go. And story after story after story of really complicated, complex, messy situations um, love will cost you something. So you try to love people that are hard to love, uh, it will cost you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the cost that we go after, at least with our students. But certainly the, uh, one I would say, maybe the inadequacy and incompetency, the feelings of not good enough are just buried under the surface. Uh, you dig even just a little bit. And most students and probably most adults, that, that's right underneath the surface and feel like they're one failure away from kind of being found out. Um, <clears throat> But beyond that, you know, so many things to prop people up. And um, yeah, I, I want them to uh, feel the cost of loving like Jesus loved and realize, oh, I, I will have to die to myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I'm going to care for people that make my life difficult, I will lose out on something. If I'm not obsessed with rushing to the front of the line or getting the attention, it means I may be 
overlooked, you know, and am I okay with that? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a very insightful question. I'm often struck by um, the lack of um, uh, feeling competent, adequate, successful, um, stable, and fine mm-hmm. in the affluence that's around us. I mean, you said it's just right underneath the surface. I mean, that's really my experience when I, you know, people, you know, hey, can we meet, have breakfast or whatever, and you, you chat or whatever, and 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 I'm thinking they've got it nailed, like they're killing it in life, you know, and they just feel so inadequate, um, are struggling with you know feeling assured of their salvation or whatever it can be. I mean, there's just so many, so many things that are just right underneath the surface, and I'm amazed at conversations, you know, with. Um, people just with massive amounts of stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. even though they have all these resources available to them and it seems like they're in these really comfortable homes and cars and life and everything. And it's like, man, it is just right underneath mm-hmm. um, right underneath the surface. I, I think the message of, do you feel inadequate and incompetent? I feel like that preaches to Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. all the way down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's just the nature of our of our humanity that we we question what the you know unless you're a complete narcissist or overconfident I think we all question the good things we get to experience in mm-hmm. life and like man where did this come from you know mm-hmm. um, the two other teaching I think of with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount you know blessed are those who are poor blessed are who take the humble position um, blessed are those who are meek it's it's almost as if those who don't have access to the stuff we have almost have a leg up on us. Theirs is the kingdom. There's the one who see the face of God. Um, they might actually be closer to reality and to the truth, it seems like Jesus is saying, uh, than someone who has access to all this stuff. And then I compare it even with his teachings on, um, you know, a rich person getting into the kingdom and going through the eye of a needle, how difficult it is. Well, well why? Because God doesn't like rich people? No, it's because it creates this illusion that we actually can do it ourselves or right. figure it out. Um, that there will be a solution within our means to solve solve the you know ailings of our heart and the problems of our world, um, and we just continue to buy into that lie because it always does feel like e- even control in our is such a huge idol. We always think we can control the environment for our kids. I can make this ideal. I can make this perfect. I'll just talk to the teacher. I'll talk to the coach. I'll make sure they don't get benched. I'll, if they're get, getting bullied, I'll make sure, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Yeah. And Jesus is actually offering a life of love and joy and peace in the midst of being bullied, in the midst of getting cut, in the midst of failure. Uh, yeah, how, how much more beautiful, how much more what we want, you know, not, not just for Jesus to be offering something like, like uh, security and health and, and money and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, when I compare with all that stuff, I do think, yeah, it just creates a significant barrier for us to realize um, we can't solve this and the control we think we have is an illusion. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something we wrestle with all the time with students and parents. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Who is GBC, who is GEBC reaching that is on the margins? Mark's sermon noted that Peter, Andrew, and James, and John were the types of folks no one would have guessed God would use to found, to found the church. Who are we pursuing like that? 
Well, I'll jump in here, but before I do, I, I wonder, Mark, let me tweak this question a little bit. Um, do you, uh, Give us a sense for how uh, youth ministry is reaching marginal kids. Do we have a lot of non-believing kids coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I usually say, you know, these are obviously just general statistics. Uh, probably 50% of our students are Glen Ellen Bible Church students who grow up here. It doesn't mean they're necessarily following Jesus. Uh, some are still figuring that out. All of them, frankly, are still figuring it out. Uh, but uh, probably 50% from Glen Ellen Bible. Probably 25% of the group goes to church or is involved in some other faith community somewhere else. Maybe their family doesn't go to church, but they'll be involved in a young life or FCA, something like that. Um, and then probably, yeah, 25% that just aren't coming from any kind of faith background at all. Uh, and we actually had a kid a number of years ago who uh, raised in all sorts of Christian stuff, but it just decided, hey, it's not for me. And, you know, his friends used to ask him, why do you go to youth group? You know, he's like, well, because I like friends. You know, he played on a worship team. Why do you play on the worship team, man? Oh, because I like playing music. You know, and I'm like, I love those answers. That's exactly why, you know, mm-hmm. I think you were created by God to love friendship and love playing music. Uh, and you'll actually get a chance to experience the kingdom long before you realize it's the kingdom uh you know all of us i'm trying to think who said it but all of us follow jesus long before we're actually decided to follow jesus you know there's something about him that we're intrigued by and um so yeah i, w- I would say 25 percent of our students really are fringe faith-wise and don't have parents either bringing them to any involved in any kind of faith community or that's not a part of their life or uh, religion is more a cultural thing for them than a spiritual reality and um what i'm really encouraged about just jump in in those the growth of the student ministry and the inviting of kids that don't go to church or aren't having a good youth group or church experience maybe at another church is coming because our students are inviting their friends Mm -hmm. to come. People often will ask me like, well, you know, how come everybody's coming here? And just last night, uh, Annika is answering a text message from a girl who says, how do I officially join Reckless? <laughs> yeah, people, kids always ask, like, what does it cost? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's free. Well, just come and, on. And Annika's like, I mean, Dad, 20 how, bucks. Yeah. how do I explain it to her? You know, I'm like, well, you just tell her. You just come and you're in. You just show up and you're in. Yep. You know, you don't have to officially, it's not, you know, you don't pay a fee. You know, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, it's our our kids and a lot of them are Glen Ellen Bible Church kids mm-hmm. who have caught this vision to share their youth group and share Jesus with their friends at you know, no, no matter where they go to school say hey you should come it's a lot of fun you should come and check it out it's really meaningful you'll find community here you put I, no. I think that's what's so powerful is that that vision of sharing Jesus and inviting people to come is really what's caused the the growth. I mean, there's been no yep. major marketing plan. We don't go into the high schools with your staff and hand out pamphlets to come to things. Mm-hmm. It's like organic growth, kids at, inviting their friends to come. It's just really cool. Yeah. Well, I actually always tell our leaders, I'm like, we don't, we don't ever announce of an event like, hey guys, this is a great event to invite your friends to. I'm like, I literally want every <laughs> yeah, single right. thing we do to be a, like, you'll know if you invite a friend, no matter where they're at, um, it's great because they'll walk in and someone will want to get to know them. And frankly, that b- besides the, the paintball or laser tag or fun and food we're gonna we're gonna provide, like that, I know that's the reason a kid comes back because someone's gonna be waiting for them and knows their name the next time to you know give them a fist bump or a hug. 
Um, and I can assure you that'll be at every single one of our events. So we don't do special, this is a good friend event. You know, no, every, everything will be that way. And you're right. What we've always gone for is a more organic approach to yeah. it. And, um, it really wasn't always that way. Like even when we first got here, I did an event early on, we were partnering with young life and I, um, had served them in this area. So knew it well. And we did kind of a big joint young life night and young life and reckless night. And in my, this was my dream come true. I'm getting to speak to 150 kids. hundred of them are kind of unchurched or non-churched. Um, and, I, and I looked out at the room and honestly our youth group kids were pouting in the corner I shouldn't have to be welcomed into my own church and, this is my, and those kids are cool at school it was like you are the older brother standing in the field in the prodigal yeah. son story and this is what you need too <laughs> Uh, the way forward to follow Jesus, you need to reckon with this kind of a moment um, because we have a bunch of lost sheep who are sitting in this room who are thinking, this is church and Mark's a pastor and this is what this can feel like. I haven't experienced something like this. And we, you know, we, we had families that opted out of that, but we had some students, you know, Kelly, Rachel was one of them um, who just caught that vision and um, watched kids like the one I described earlier who just came because he liked playing music and liked friends and watched that, you know, student come on a mission trip with Rachel and him encounter Jesus. And, but, you know, we talked right after that. She said, I have so many people in my life like that student who maybe want nothing right now to do with Jesus, but they would sure love a place to belong and sure love a place to find meaning and purpose. And, um, you know, even that next, even that very next fall kickoff, she invited five friends, one of them who, you know, came to faith and is now serving in our ministry and got to share a story on houseboat trip this last year. So it really does become just this engine because that sharing portion of it is the best part. It's the most exciting thing. Um, it's what you do all the other spiritual disciplines for mm -hmm. so that, you know, um, yeah, it just fuels the whole engine. So it's been cool. So Rachel was in second service and, um, we got to watch the video, you know, of the baptisms and, uh, she leaned over to me. One of the girls that was getting baptized is one of her young life girls. Mm -hmm. Um, my so energized was Rachel by her experience of inviting mm -hmm. and fishing mm -hmm. that uh, during college, she's a junior at college, during college she uh, volunteers with Young Life in the local high schools at Wheaton North, uh, caring for teenage girls and just has loved it. So m much of what she learned in the reckless experience about fishing for men, um, she's really enjoyed doing that as a volunteer with Young Life. Yeah. No, fishing has been a huge, huge analogy, honestly, for us. Uh, because we don't, a fisherman that doesn't catch fish, we, we stop calling them a fisherman. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that we call <laughs> disciples funny. that probably aren't <laughs> catching, you know. That's hilarious, because uh, last summer, I spent a lot of time fishing. <laughs> and I would come home, and, and Sherry would say, did you catch anything? And I would say, no, but I'm an excellent caster. <laughs> so I'm not really a fisherman, to yeah, your point, you but I'm a great caster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's the best part. It's the reason why you get up early, you train, you save up money for the best equipment, you study where the fish are, you get the right bait. Wait, it, those things help? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> supposedly. Um, you know, it's, it, it fuels literally everything else because there's nothing like that catch. And like you were saying, man, it never gets old to watch a baptism. Uh, yeah, it really doesn't get old and it fuels, it, you find Jesus all over again. Oh my gosh. The, and, and it makes you feel like, all right, I want to follow this yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to go share this. We often talk about like sharing what you love with people you love is the most human experience probably 
of all time. You know, you find a drink, a movie, um, a podcast, a book. No one's got to twist your arm to go tell, you know, hey, can you share this with people that you care about? No, it's like you do that very, you're excited to go do that. And, um, you know, what, what if the sharing Jesus, the sharing the kingdom experience felt that organic and real? And so we always say, man, I'm like, we, we just want kids to absolutely love Jesus and love church. And I feel like if they find this is a place they love, they'll just start sharing it. They'll start telling people about it. And um, yes, yeah, st- students like Rachel and other leaders we have early on that kind of carry that. I, I knew we were going to need students to get on board. You know, youth pastor can ramble all he wants on stage. Um, but it, it was students who championed it. And um, all of a sudden, something felt different. And yeah, ki- kids were fishing. Um, and kids were feeling the excitement of that adventure. So. I'll just mention, too, at the adult level, there's a, a ministry that's been going for, I think, a couple of years called Courtside Ministries. Jim Schoberg leads it with John Foster here. If uh, you're an adult and you're listening and you want to exercise the fishing muscle a little more and you want some help in that programmatically, meaning days and dates that you can show up and fish with others who want to see, what they do is they go to the DuPage County Courthouse and they stand outside offering prayer to people going into court and coming out of court. You, and they get a lot of opportunity to pray with <laughs> I, folks. I mean, why would you say no? Yeah, you're right. no. you're walking into a courthouse. Yeah, stress. I'll take anything. Again, yeah. that's Jim Schoberg. Contact me if, and I'll hook you up with Jim if you're interested in that. I, so, and I just think of all our ministry partners that were here this Sunday Naomi's House, Outreach Ministries, By the Hand. So, there's a lot of good things. That's good. We were on the save wavelength there because as Mark was talking, I was thinking, man. Like it's, you know, th- this is perfect for like, you know, the, the high school age or the middle school age where kids are looking for acceptance. They're looking for a tribe. They're looking to be, a, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like once, you know, you become an adult, you have kids, like things like what is our, what is our reckless? What is mm-hmm. our, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm glad you brought that up, but also like, man, like figure out where your passion is as an adult. Yep. And what do you passion? Maybe it's something like fantasy football. Maybe it's yep. hunting or whatever, but man, like create. Yeah, we, even when we're adults, we still want to belong, right? We still want to, mm-hmm. it may not be at a church, it may not be a church setting like, like Mark's mm-hmm. setting is, where you're doing worship and whatever, but man, you can still have something you're passionate about Let and something that could be group oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not in anything like that right now, just start asking, asking questions, ask your, ask your spouse, ask your a sibling, ask a family member, whatever, just, hey, what, what do you think I'm passionate about and how it, could you see that? You know, could that extend to a group? About seven years ago, Jeremy Boynton launched um, a men's outreach that's going. It's been going for the last seven years. It's the second Thursday of every month. It's at Blackberry Market. We grill steaks on their back patio. And it's it's, um, what we describe as pre-evangelistic. There's no explicit overt sharing of the gospel, but it's all relationship-based. And I've had a lot of opportunity to talk about who Jesus is in that setting. And I, that is led with a group of men from Glowing Bible Church. So if you're a listener and you're, you're a man looking for a way to stretch your evangelistic muscle, you could jump in there. I think it's, I maybe got hung up on the, the nuance of the wording of the question where it says, who are we pursuing like that? Hmm. I would say, I don't know. Who are you pursuing? You know, we are a church that's designed to like the whole mission statement that was up the whole time you were preaching, you know, equip, Mm. send, (laughs) proclaim, restore. The the church is not the programs. (laughs) The church is not the pastoral staff or whatever. It's it's you in your neighborhood, in everything you just said, Matt, your passion area. You know, who are you, you know, the question of who are, who is GBC reaching? 
I always want to turn it back and say, man, you're equipped. You have opportunities to be restored. You know how to proclaim. You can be sent out. You know, the church is not just the programs we offer and the staff it's doing the their people. work. It's the people. It's the people yeah. in the chairs, in the room, that are the ones you know that are that are having conversations in their neighborhood in their workplace on the sidelines sidelines classrooms what whatever it is and now of course we want to provide avenues and opportunities for you to have those conversations and stretch those muscles and you do events <laughs> like six flags and whatever mm-hmm. because that's something you can you can share with a vision with everybody to say hey invite people to come and they'll get an experience you know yep. and get connected into the church so i'm not saying there's nothing we do yeah. But I think it's really important to to reflect on our own lives in our own neighborhoods and, and wherever we have influence to say, who are we pursuing? Mm-hmm. Um, well, even imagine Jesus, you know, which was very uh, scandalous at the time, that the temple was the place where God's spirit resided. And then he says, you, you are the temple. Yes. That's you. The Holy Spirit resides anywhere you go, into a fantasy football league or onto the sidelines or into a plane. Fantastic. Spirit's, spirit's present. And we even have kids, you know, make, make a joke. You can't say that in church. I'm like, what the heck is the difference? You know, <laughs> this is not the holy place. You, you mm-hmm. are, if it's not appropriate in a church building, probably, in a, you know, it's probably destructive mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, and yeah, how much freedom that gives us um, the church is out and about. It's not within these four walls. Even even the fishing analogy of you got you got to be out there mm-hmm. to catch a fish. And um, what what a, a great joy, man! The Spirit of God goes with me everywhere. He called me the temple of the Holy Spirit, where that Spirit resides. And um, I get to bring anywhere I go. I get to bring the kingdom in mm-hmm. a unique way. And it doesn't happen in the four walls of a church building. Yeah, you know? I want to mention one more. I um, I just, I won't name any names, but uh, there are some women, some from GBC, who have a ministry where they go to an adult uh, setting, strip place, whatever, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. I I was thinking of, what is the proper name where I can say it and everyone knows I'm talking about? I think you said strip place. (laughs) Okay, we good there? We good? I don't think that's what it's called, but I think everybody knows. All right. (laughs) Anyway, these these women go in there before the, the shifts start. Mm-hmm. And they meet with these women who work there, yeah. and they bring them uh, little gift bags, just stuff to go. They just go and they hang out with them in this bar, in this place, you know. Yep. Um, and that's their that's their ministry. They do it yeah. once a week, and um, and now the, they they're forming relationships, and you know, I mean that that is an example of man. If you're passionate about reaching out to and, and with other women, and you want to, yeah. you know. That, that's a, you can do that. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not, that's uh, it's not a church building. There's no steeple. There's no worship band, <laughs> but that's the church right there. You know, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Uh, thinking of Peter, Andrew, James, and John, can you give some examples of some folks in our era, in our era that left everything to follow Jesus? Thanks. This podcast helps me think more deeply. Thank you. I guess they're just asking for radical stories of conversion. Right, is that conversion or, or you know, out on mission? Sacrifice, yeah, out on mission. Yeah, I took it to mean out on mission. Like, oh, okay. you know, I'm I'm leaving all of this stuff. I'm leaving Wheaton behind and all of my stuff, and I'm going wherever. I I, I, I was actually wondering for you, like typically people associate a pastor or a full, you know, they're, they really like this stuff. They made an occupation. <laughs> it. And then even the step above it would be like, they're a missionary. They, you know, kind of, and I remember when I used to do, I did inner city ministry. Uh, actually the first time I did preach on this 
passage, I did inner city ministry, and it was feeling of, oh, we all, how could I not, there's so much brokenness, there's so much need, how can we not be in the city? Kind of these tears of, if you really care, you know, that kind right. of stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't think this is just an invitation for those, again, who, who decide right. to leave their occupation, or even yeah. the story of uh, the rich young ruler. Jesus is not saying everyone must give everything away right. to the poor. He's also not saying that no one should. Yeah. So I think, let me, I think what you're saying is it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah. for the followers of Jesus. And it can be just as radical to stay in your hometown mm. and live for Jesus, and it can also be difficult. It can also be very difficult and trying. Um, after th- almost 30 years of ministry here at Glowing Bible Church, I- I'll say there are some times when it is difficult to stay and show the love of Christ and be the person that God's calling me to be and uh, in in my hometown and to um, yeah. So it's it's not as simple as saying the. Gr- the greatest sacrifice is to travel to a foreign land. I, you know, just in answer to the question, I'd say go to Glowing Bible Church's web, website, and under the uh, serve icon tab, uh, click on long-term missionaries, and all of the missionaries listed, every single one of them, is homegrown, which means they were sent at one time. They they attended Glowing Bible Church as their home church. And then they were sent out. So I think of the Schaefers, Kyle and Shelley Schaefer. Uh, there's a picture of them there. They serve in South Africa. They uprooted their family and, and traveled across the globe uh, to serve in South Africa. But it's, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's just, um, it's not that formulaic as mm-hmm. to say, man. What's interesting too is like, I think, you know, the examples, if we're talking about Peter, Andrew, James, John, examples of people like that, we don't know who they are. Because this person is asking, like, is there, I'm taking it to be some folks in our era, like prominent people that you could point me to to say they gave it all up. And now, like those celebrity type people, they don't feel sacrificial like the disciples to me. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly they've given something up they could have gone into in a different occupation or whatever. But the people that are like Peter, Andrew, James, and John are in Syria right now. Right. With guns to their heads. And you don't saying, know their names. Are you going to right. denounce Christ or not? I mean, yep. it's, it's people in very difficult situations who are standing up for the gospel. When we talk about giving it all up, the examples that are similar to Peter, Andrew, James, John's, all who died martyrs' deaths. <laughs> like th- that idea, those are, there are people in the global south right now, in Ch- China, in South America, in places like that that are that they're literally, their lives are on the line, whether they're going to follow Jesus, continue to meet as a church body, you know what I mean? In terms of, I think you're right, like the idea of, you know, we all are giving up things. We all should be giving up things daily as we pursue, as we pursue Christ. Like the drive to be more comfortable is a huge distraction mm-hmm. from following Jesus, I think is what we're all kind of saying. But I find it really difficult to point to say, well, this is a modern day, somebody who's equivalent. sacrificed. Yeah, a modern yeah. day equivalent of Peter. That's fair. Or, or I, I even, just, even to say, like, I'm not saying there's nothing unique about those first disciples and 
They were very ordinary. They didn't think, we think of them as heroes of the faith. Read the gospels. They literally stumbled and bumbled their way through those three years. They stepped on each other's toes. They stepped on each other's, you know, their own feet, got tripped up. We, We think back on them like that, but... They were very. They felt very, very ordinary, you know, right. in, in their own minds. I'm not sure I should be the one who's here. I'm not the pastor kind right. of guy. I'm not the. And yet, in Revelation, it talks about the, in the creation of the, the kingdom of God. You know, the heavenly city. Their names are engraved on the foundation, right. which is super. I don't know. I find that like really powerful and amazing. Yeah. You know, you you said it in your sermon. God chose these guys. We don't know why. He chose them. They weren't perfect. And yet he built the church on them and their names are engraved in, you know, the foundation of heaven. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the final question. Having youth Sunday was a lot of fun. I'm so thankful for Reckless and Recess. What are some of the challenges youth ministers are facing these days? I'm much older. It's been a long time since I was connected mm-hmm. to anyone in the youth ministry, but I want to be praying. Yeah, no, I appreciate it a ton. Certainly unique challenges. Uh, yeah, the, the last two years took a toll on students for sure. Um, the mental health crisis is, is definitely real. Um, just so many more kids despairing than you'd imagine. Um, far more honestly than, than when I was in middle school and high school. Um, and I would say, uh, yeah, trying to help them figure out how to cope honestly. And, um, you know, I, I sound like the old guy when I, but I'm like, social media is just an absolute life suck for these kids. Uh, it's very hard, though, to be a teenager and not be involved. I mean, th- this is where life happens for a teenager. And, um, you know, my wife, Ellie, was on a houseboat trip with us and in small group and, you know, talking with girls throughout the week. And, you know, so, oh, I'm just so glad, like, every night I can just, like, spend two or three hours on my phone. And, like, they imagine that's coping. They, ima- they imagine that's solving some problem for them or giving them a release or getting, you know, an escape. And it's like, it, it doesn't solve any problem. It makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And they're scrolling and, and the um, monster of comparison and envy and, je- I mean, so, um, yeah, it's hard because I, I don't want to offer necessarily something that sounds Im, Im, unlikely to happen or so radical, but, um, yeah, social media is very, very difficult, honestly, for students to navigate. It, it's difficult, frankly, for every generation to navigate. Um, kids are kind of in the middle of it. and um, For some generations, it's literally hard to navigate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's true. They can only get so far. They don't even know what it's capable of. But these, these kids know what it's all capable of, and so they leverage yeah. it, and someone's leveraging it, and then you can watch someone leverage it for all mm. that it, you know, um, I think you're onto something, though, especially out of coming out of, I mean, I think everybody is talking about a little bit of our dependence and interacting with a screen, mm-hmm. which sounds really like, yeah, we all know screens are yep, bad. Yep. But these kids just went through school on a screen. Every part of their life is now connected to, a sc- to screens. Yeah, I know. And the, the digital experience, you know, like, comparing but then now learning you know it's taking place on screens and all these kinds of things man i love i think parents don't always know this but when kids come here they turn their phone in we have a box with a lock on it when they show up they put their phone in a box and lock it and they get you know two three hours of time here at gbc in on a sunday night or or a wednesday night that's like person to person 
What? And my, my kids have come back and said, you know, outside Doesn't of the, the classroom experience, that's some of the, the most FaceTime they have with other people yep. is, is here. Sunday night and then Wednesday Bible study and yeah no we uh early years when I used to take them for retreats or mission you know kids would bring burner phones honestly they'd turn in fake ones they'd be kissing their phone as they put it in the hey, I can't believe you know now they they beg us to take them that's yeah. Uh, they hate getting them back. Uh, you can see literally the anxiety the rise, the weight oh, in man. it, because they know they're about to have 150 notifications. Wow. And uh, yeah. Yeah, literally, they're like, I don't even want to open my phone right now, you know? And I was thinking back, I mean, like, can we just undo all this? Enough. Like, can we just get rid of it all? Yeah. What's the good that any of this is? And we're slaves to it, though. Like, there I'm saying are. this right now, and I know. Yeah, stop checking Instagram. Yeah. Been on the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you Snapchat? <laughs> But no, I know it is causing. Kelly doesn't even know what Snapchat is. Snappy chat. It is causing major. There are major mental health issues. They're all tied in. I do think it all ties in. So yeah, for for sure, uh, sorting through kids. um, Yeah, mental health stuff and uh, coping and resiliency. uh, Resiliency to face hard things in life um, because so much of their environments are controlled. Um, I do think it's taken a hit on, on kids' resiliency to deal with hard things and disappointment mm-hmm. and um, to still hope in the midst of it. So, yeah, we work a, a ton with that. It's way more, you know, early years, not nearly the same amount. But, um, yeah, I mean, every single small group has leaders that come to me afterwards. Hey, this, this kid, you know, a few kids shared about depression. A few kids, few kids shared about suicide, self-harm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a unique beast at this point. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's how you can pray. Yeah, that's um, that's great. Thanks for sharing all that. All right, well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions or comments, uh, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends learning opportunity for all who want to get to know God better, strengthening not only our faith, your faith, my faith, but our faith altogether. Thanks for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Boom. Prophecy.